Wow. Has it really been a year? Seems like longer. But at the same time, like it was just yesterday. So many murders. Quite a few conspiracies and we eventually caught up with the UFOs. We've had a bit of fun and laughs at the expense of no small number of shit-based human being. But, in all fairness, the uh, chuckles had at our own would uh, dwarf or quote-unquote little people the rest. Well, all, now I'll just say it's time to start our second Halloween episode. Come back in a year for the next fun-filled spookiness. Or, before that even, if in Yanti, Halloween, bitches! It was a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a place that perhaps you've seen in your dreams, where the story that you are about to be told took place in the holiday worlds of old. Now you've probably wondered where holidays come from. If you haven't, I'd say it's time you begun. Listeners, nobodies, in truth, but always somebodies in Chris's butt. I hope you're all dressed up as something totally slutty tonight. I, Chris, did I tell you what my 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 idea for uh, my my costume is going to be? Um, <clears throat> I think it's ingenious. The pickle. I am going to be. Rick. I am not just going to be everyone's creepy vaguely fucking pedophilic uncle with oh. way too fucking short cut off fucking jean shorts and a attention. fucking glorious mustache but I am going to be the sexy version of everyone's creepy fucking uncle are your shorts going to be short enough for just the tip to show so, so the meat will hang a bit low okay. yes okay well, I mean... I'm not looking for lawsuits. I'm looking for, oops, that was an accident, you know, and play it off. I mean, you've got the creepy part down, Pat. I think the uncle part is just like a stretch and, you know, whatever everybody will, will you know, will go with. But I see where you're going I, with I have this. been an uncle for 20 years. <laughs> you have been an uncle, technically, for 20 years? Yes, wow. I've been an uncle. My, my oldest niece has three fucking children, one of which is fucking eight wow that's yeah i know wow and i'm just now having my first that's too much uh, and only probably hopefully <laughs> so i'm not you know i'm not snipping i'm not snipping the boys off from the <clears throat> the fire hose right um so it's been a back and forth she's like why don't you get snipped and i'm like why don't you shut up you know? Yeah. 
So that's where we're at now. And I'll clue you in when and if anything changes. Good. Good. I think all the kids out there would like to know. I don't think anyone gives a shit about our personal lives at all. You know what I think they want more than anything in the fucking world, Chris? Um, A proper introduction? Is for us to get to the technically 59th episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. The UFOs, the conspiracies, and... You know what? I mean, yeah. Slutty candy go-getters. Hey, man. I mean... It could literally be anything, right? Yeah, and, and no murders. Well, maybe murders. I don't know. We're, we don't know. It's, it's, it's a grab bag tonight. There are it's, it's theories. Like a, yeah, you never know what you're going to get tonight. It's, it's, it, I mean, we could be passing out bars of soap and um, apples, or we could be <laughs> passing out straight razor blades. Like we said, and you know, fucking sample. I decided to go ahead. I decided to just go ahead and eschew the passing out of razor blades, and to just roam the 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 neighborhoods and cut children with razor blades. Oh yeah, I mean, allegedly. Keep your mask on. You know. Wait, now I gotta fucking buy a mask? I have a kid coming. I don't have fucking disposable income for masks. I'll send you money for a mask. I can't have you disappear. Better be a good mask too. <laughs> Better be a good mask. <clears throat> so right. tonight's spooky, dooky Halloween episode, and I, I explained this to Chris earlier. <clears throat> uh, the very night that our very first uh, Halloween episode of this month uh, released, which was October tenth, <laughs> was. No. No excuses. Apologies. That is the last time you interrupt me with your goddamn hippie smoke coughing. Uh, you and your marijuana cigarettes. So, probably not. The exact night that we released the very first episode of October this month, which was the 10th, which yes, we we missed a week. Chris started a new job, so did I, and everything else that's happening, deal with it. So, is the exact one year anniversary of this very show. And I didn't even fucking know it, so like, I put out two more episodes. So, in in the spirit of the season, Chris, mm-hmm. fuck you, I hope you're horribly raped and murdered. Fuck you, I hope you are sliced and eaten. <sighs> so good I'm to telling say you, that, you know? from now, from now on, instead of asking people, "You want to fight about it?" I'm gonna say, "You want to get stabbed in the fucking eyeballs about it?" Uh-huh. You're talking to my guy. I'll that it's the w- wrong tone. You do it again. That will I'll win me in the face with some fucking iron. arguments. Probably. That's, that's that's life to me. That's life to me. Chris is winning arguments. The only person I can't use that on is Melissa because she knows. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, she's not. She knows it won't do it. She knows the cojones don't exist. That's what it is. At least not in this this fucking package of a man right here. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well, what about you know? There's there's that whole trick that uh, I saw the Facebook videos of other guys 
the guys who would like would just as a joke would like walk up to dudes and like start a fight and as soon as the guy starts getting ready to swing and shit he just drops his pants and he's got like some banana hammock on underneath and he just starts like shuffling over towards and you know and of course everybody how does he not get not just the shit beat out of him but murdered for that like i wouldn't because, care i would because laugh. he doesn't do but it i also groups of people and at the same time i also wouldn't usually... get like roped into that shit like i i'd be like okay well you're annoying have a good day you know because i'm a fucking adult uh mostly yeah <clears throat> yeah age. yeah and that's the thing that's the thing it, it's it's yeah we're not gonna go into in age that. and in my uh my my strong yearning to never go back to fucking jail <laughs> so did, did did i tell you what tonight's episode was about chris because i know i didn't tell the people but did I tell you, rhetorical, don't answer, tonight's episode is about, don't, don't, the Dietlov Pass incident. Now you What's that you say? Now say it like a Russian. Do you, no, I refuse. You do it. Uh, you yeah. look like a fool. Dietlov. That's how I would think Diet it was. Love. But you have to say it. And in I'm, that, I'm, that I'm actually positive. That, I'm positive they don't say the word pass because that is certainly an English word. Exactly. Um, and, oh, you know what, too? Before uh, we actually started this, uh, you mentioned it, but I wanted Ooh, to people actually hate you for say this, but go for it. happy anniversary to us. And still fucking You know, the one-year anniversary is the butt sex anniversary. <sighs> But you are always out of town on your quote unquote truck driving trips, Christopher. Which Christopher means, Robin. Which means you better have it ready for me when I get home. Okay. Uh, being real here, there's not one second of my day and or life where it's not ready. <laughs> that sounds steamy and just like what breakfast of champions are made of <sighs> it was supposed to so <clears throat> the diet love pass incident refers to the unsolved deaths of nine ski hikers in the northern ural mountains in the soviet union which of course now refers to russia if you don't know that the soviet union is now russia and vice versa fucking go listen to a history podcast because we're not the ones to explain it between yeah. the first of february and February 2nd of 1959. So wait, between the February and February 2? <clears throat> so like one night? Yeah, like a day. Okay. Like one day. I mean, that's life, deal with it. The experienced trekking group who were all from the Ural Peck... Hmm. Say, I hate this word because what does it even mean? The Ural Polytechnical Institute... You know what, Chris? I don't want to know what it means. If you know what it means, don't tell me. If you don't, you want to look it up, that's fine. Don't tell me. Polytechnical. I, just, I, I mean, still don't know. I still, I still, to this day, no idea what pot cheese is. <laughs> Had established a camp on the slopes of Kolot. See a kit. You know what? I should have read through this just once. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> S-Y-A-K-H-L. Cycle. Done in an area now named in honor of the group's leader, which was 
<clears throat> uh, Igor Dietlov. Uh, during the night, something caused them to tear their way out of their tents and flee the campsite while inadequately dressed for heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures, which, being in Russia, it was. So, this episode was actually um, suggested by a listener. We will not tell you who, and if you ask, we'll tell you, but then we'll have to kiss you. That's how that goes, right? People are like, I'll tell you, but I'll have to kiss you. That's nasty. Why is that nasty, Chris? Our listeners are nothing but the cleanest hookers in all of, wait, uh, the best whorehouse in, what was the Dolly Parton movie called? Texas? Was it Texas? Uh, Was it just Texas or was it like a a city? Um, Well, I don't even remember. All of our Texas listeners are certainly whores that live in a house that are clean and have Dolly Parton titties that we would love to motorboat and then pay because we are gentlemen. Well, at least that's what we like to make. In January of 1959, 23-year-old Igor Dietlov led a group of eight young Soviet hikers comprising of seven men and two women and mostly university students into the Ural Mountains attempting to reach Mount Otorton. I swear to God, got it right first try. If you say so. From the small settlement... Did I say what now? Nothing. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Real constructive, Christopher. <laughs> is that your real name? Is that your, your real first name? Do you just go by Chris and your name is Christopher? No. I've never asked. No. Is your name just Chris? No. Because that's not right. None is your middle name things. Chris? My middle name is Tristan. Is your Tristan. first name like Is your first name like Egbert? I hope it is. <laughs> Not as far as you know. So they they took this trip into the Ural Mountains attempting to reach Mount Orton or or Torton. See, you made me do it twice. Just not as nice. From the small settlement of Vizhai. It took more than three months to locate all nine of their bodies. <clears throat> they were found about six miles away from their destination in a forest almost a mile away from their campsite without their skis, their shoes, their coats, and an approximately 30-degree Fahrenheit weather. Negative 30-degree. My bad. Fahrenheit's the one that Americans don't do, right? Nope. That's the one we use. Oh, so negative 30 is fucking cold then. (laughs) Negative 30 is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Excuse me. Negative 30 is 60 degrees. (coughs) Sorry, 60... Yeah, plus degrees below the freezing point of water. Wow. Water freezes at 32 degrees. Positive. They had no skis, no shoes, or coats on them. Uh, two of them had fractured skulls, two more had major chest fractures, and one hiker was missing her fucking tongue. Her fucking tongue, that's right. So, yes, uh, this, this, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, Soviet investigators listed the cause of death as a compelling natural force and abruptly closed the case not even a month after they had started. So here's what we know about the incident. 
Six of the skiers died of hypothermia, and three died of their injuries. They died separately. Two of them were found under a cedar tree near the remains of a fire, while three others were found in intervals of hundreds of feet from the tree, and four more were in a ravine another 250 feet away. The two under the tree had burned hands. <clears throat> Go figure. Uh, the fourth in the ravine... The, mm, the four... The total four... Not the fourth, because we haven't been counting singularly. We've been counting groups. The four in the ravine weren't found until May the 4th, which was three fucking months after they died. That's right, because they, the they had to let the snows melt a little bit before they were revealed. Well, they kind of didn't have to, because they, they found most of the bodies right away. And these bodies were in a ravine fucking 250 feet Away. I was going to say yards because I didn't want to fucking scroll back, but I scrolled back. It says feet. That's not that far. That's not that far. <sighs> That's not that far. In a ravine, um, though? I mean, I guess it could be pretty treacherous to I get mean, down there to them in the snow. Negative 30 is pretty fucking brutal. I am going to go ahead, and and I'm, I'm going to call laziness. I'm going to say that now. I'm going to say Russian, just pure, just stereotypical Russian laziness. That's right. I'm coming for you, Mother Russia. Yeah, I don't know. What I'm thinking, though, is like more of like a fucking... I realize America's the only one that has quote-unquote rednecks, but you, you imagine the hillbilly type is in every country. You know, there's, there's the, the ones that oh, are man. Yeah. actually pretty ingenuitive. Absolutely. And uh, the ones that aren't, and I imagine that that countries like Russia, uh, their rescue teams are not like they get paid to sit on the mountain all day and just rescue people. Like I imagine their rescue squad is like right. these couple of hillbillies who've lived on the mountain their entire fucking three generations of their family, and you know what I mean. They just volunteer to help because they know people are fucking stupid. So that that's what I You know I I've I've, I've literally only very recently uh even brought this question to my mind uh when I watch uh subtitled movies is is the person that I'm listening to right now speaking with a a robot like Appalachian accent Yeah You know Should I be taking this character seriously Yeah yeah or, yeah are they a foil who does nothing correctly because they are dumb and backwoods? See, I, you know, it's funny that it's it's funny that that you bring that up because when I when I spent you know you know when I was in Mexico and shit, I was um, I was hanging out with a few people and uh, <clears throat> there was a guy that walked up to us and asked us for for fucking a few pesos or some shit and uh, and they sent him away. But when he left, they were they turned to each other. It was two guys and two girls, and they turned to each other and were like, oh, blah, 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 he said he was from fucking El Salvador, but then he said this, and so he was lying to us from the, from the get-go, because I wanted to know, you know, obviously I wanted to know, like, well, what was the deal with the kid? He seemed fairly clean or whatever. Right, and right, I was right. Like, what? like, why do we turn him away? So that's like, that's like somebody walking up to you and saying, I'm from New York. Can I have a dollar so I can buy some Broadway tickets? Yeah, but 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 here, like, well, well, there they were able to tell not only that like regional his regional accent wasn't Mexican at all, 
Like they were able to tell he was Venezuelan versus uh, El Salvadorian or whatever that he said he was. And uh, well, okay, so we can't pinpoint the fucking state most of the times, but well, but yeah, we can but pinpoint the fucking area of the country at least. The area of the country, so, yeah, for you sure. Know what? But, but that was the thing. We could that... literally, we could literally talk about this for hours because I have a buzz, and you will just do anything for attention. You fucking hooker. Yeah. Oh, no, it's going to be one of those episodes, you fucking prick. So, do you want to know what the dead had did, had done, and had, in the past tense, thought of doing in this incident? Yes, no, I totally The dead seemed to have donated. They they donated some of their clothing to the living, which I don't know if it happened before they were dead or after they were dead. Since everyone was dead afterwards, I guess you can't really ask these questions. Ludmilla... Dubi, really? Fuck you, Russia. Dubininina, Dubinina. <sighs> fucking, you know what? It's a shit show that I'm gonna have to edit the fuck out of, and it's not even because of the crazy fucking dogs here. Her foot was wrapped in a piece of Yuri Krivonishchinko's Krivonishchinko's pants. So, Ludmilla's foot was wrapped in a piece of Yuri's pants, while Semyon was found wearing Dubinia's hat and coat, and some garments had cuts in them, as though they were forcibly removed, um, which makes you wonder, um, did they forcibly remove them? Was it some kind of strange snow I'm guessing orgy? swingers. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I... I'm guessing fucking the, 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 whatever the Russian equivalent of the Yeti is came down from the mountain and he had some goddamn Coors Light in a cooler and he's like, who wants to fucking party? But he said it in fucking Russian Yeti. See? And they were all like, yeah, but just in Russian. Da. Which is probably like, da, yeah. So consistently there were eight or nine sets of footprints in the snow, accounting for only the skiers and not suggesting another party's involvement. Well, on foot at least. There was no sign of struggle or of any other human or animal approaching the campsite. There was a snowstorm the night of February 2nd, which is when it was determined via their diaries that they had died. Their campsite was made on the slopes of Kolyat Cycle, which literally fucking translated means dead mountain. Huh. So their campsite was at... No, no, I think when you go for a fucking nighttime sleepover trip on dead mountain you expect to come home with nothing but wonderful stories of hookups and hookups that could have been mm-hmm. so, Bright, sunny so day. their campsite was was at about uh 3600 feet which is pretty high is especially high. since i'm like uh at under sea level um yeah, I'm all the travelers right now eight actually. of them uh yeah not surprising no eight i of them mean literally early, this time no. Oh, yeah, you're in... Yeah, fuck you, whatever. All of the travelers, eight of them in their early to mid-twenties, with Zolotaryov in his late thirties, were experienced mountaineers, having skied across frozen lakes and totally uninhabited areas to get there. Despite nasty weather and slower progress than they'd actually planned, their last diary entries reflected high spirits. Charmingly... In a very typical Soviet way of bonding, they even produced a little newspaper about the trip. That's right. 
you heard me. These skiers, whilst on some crazy fucking backwoods mountain goddamn ski trip in the goddamn snow and terrifyingness, said, Uh, we should... We should fucking write a newspaper for every for for each other, you know, like a newspaper. And everybody was like, "Yeah, da, 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 yeah, absolutely, da." That's. I mean, it it was a different time, I suppose. No, that pisses me the fuck off, Chris. They could have just made a blog. At that time, no. I mean, a blog would have been no, Chris. They could have invented the internet. And then invented not only the blog, but then in turn the blogger. So, um, you you, you want to hear what their uh, what, what their newspaper was called? Of course. <clears throat> what it was titled? I want to hear you pronounce oh, it. So yes. good. The evening, or Toten, and which bore the headline: "From now on, we know that the snowmen exist." It goes on to say they can be met in the northern Urals next to Ortiton or Torton Mountain. They, mm, they were like it's theorized, probably just joking about themselves, like, like they were that. the snowmen. I would like to think lots of things, Chris. That had honestly never crossed my mind. Yeah, well. So after the first five bodies were found, a legal inquest began, eventually determining that the cause of death was hypothermia. The death seemed kind of straightforward at first. Sure, these dead were in various stages of undress, including one in his underwear, but this was explained away as uh, paradoxical undressing. You know about that, right, Chris? Like, literally, you, you know what paradoxical, paradoxical undressing is? Paradoxical undressing? It's taking clothes off. When the only solution should be putting more on, because it is fucking cold outside. The thing that makes people do that okay. is hypothermia. When you get hypothermia, even though your body temperature has dropped below the what it should be regulated at, um, your body and mind both tell you, fuck, it's hot in here. Uh-oh. So you start taking clothes off. Yeah, I see. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I had not known and that's that, why, that name. That's why it's called paradoxical undressing, because really, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, it makes perfect um, sense why it would be called that now. Yeah. Um, and that exact thing happens in about 25% of all hypothermia victims. As the hypothalamus malfunctions and body temperatures seem to, to rise when it's really dropping. But then, it got a little weird. Um... The skier's badly damaged tent, it had been determined, had been cut open from the inside, and all of their stuff was still inside. Why were they dead of exposure if they had access to their winter gear before going out into the freezing winds? Right. To all, to all appearances, they appeared to have left the tent out of their own volition and in a fucking hurry. Uh, somewhat strangely... <laughs> Zolotaryev uh, fled the campsite with his camera, but none of his fucking shit to keep him alive in the shit he was using the camera fucking for. Nah, As well, uh, Rustam Slobodin, who, uh, along with Diet- Dietlov and Zina Kolmogorova, 
Kolmogorova. They, uh, they all three seem to have died in somewhat of, of like a pose, like they were voguing even. Do you remember voguing, Chris? Uh, Good. I'm glad you did. I'm glad I'm not the only one that remembers voguing. Uh, indicating that they were really trying to return to the tent. Um, so Rustam had a small crack in his skull, but it was ruled that the elements, um, the elements were really what killed him and not the fracture itself in the skull. Hmm. No external wounds were discovered. Now things got really fucking hectic when the four bodies in the ravine were found and they were examined. Both Dubinia and Zola Tarif had fractured ribs, while Nikolai had a major skull fracture. I mean, it was One of the investigators that, compared... This was due to falling into a fucking ravine? I'm guessing that ravine does not mean canyon. Oh. You know? Okay, yeah. Like, I'm thinking short drop-off into soft snow. Um, but hey, who knows? You and I are uncovering grain by grain this mystery together Chris and have never Maybe. been to Russia um speak for your fucking self yeah. why why would you go and me at the same time because I I haven't been there either so um why would you so one of the investigators there had compared the force required to injure a human so severely to that of a fucking car crash the injuries were absolutely not caused by force exerted by another human being once again, no soft tissue damage was observed, as though the skier's bodies were crushed by pressure. When Dabinia was found to be missing her tongue, the theory of another party's possible involvement must have arisen once again. Who would do this? Why? Or did another skier from the group cut it out? And if he did, where did it go? But there were absolutely no indications of other people having been nearby apart from the other travelers in Dietlov's group, not even the native Mansi people, sometimes known to inhabit the area, and perhaps, most baffling of all, some of the skiers' clothing was found to contain significant levels of fucking radiation. That is so fucking weird. So this is, it's, it's February of 1959. The Cold War is raging. Or not. Maybe it's not. I mean, it probably is. You sure, that's how you want to record uh, that. <laughs> I stand by my idiocy. Um, so due to an absence of a guilty party, the inquest into the incident was closed in May of '59, only a few short weeks after the last four bodies were discovered, and the files were archived and classified. When they finally became accessible in the '90s, post-Soviet era. Parts of the files were missing, which <clears throat> I think we can all assume we all just did a, uh, a Kevin Home Alone, oh no, face, but with a gasp instead of a scream. We're not animals. We're just surprised. Yeah, kind of like that whole LOL thing. Like, nobody's laughing directly out loud that You know that what? Much. Genuinely... Sometimes when I write that, I am actually laughing out loud. Sometimes. Or the thing that was said had made me laugh out loud. Sometimes. I try not to use it and let it just willy nilly, unless it's with people that I know I can. Um, how do you say manipulate with the fact that I'm doing it? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. 
LOL, Chris. Without any real public answers to any of these freaky questions, all manner of insane theory flourished around the incident over the ensuing 50 years. But the Soviet government's very sudden closing of the case seems to have made it the most popular culprit in the minds of theorists. Orange spheres were sighted in the sky on the night the Dyatlov group died by campers about 50 miles away from the scene. Some explained... uh, Well... Some explain these away as R-7 intercontinental missile launches, seeing as how the last campsite was located on the pathway from Balikonor Cosmodrome to Kayonara Guba. See, no, you can't do that with language. You can't. <laughs> you can't be like, well... Our tongues and throats and mouths are the only fucking ones on the planet that can make these sounds. We're just going to just really fucking go at it. Yeah, you just have to have a trained palate. Fuck you, French Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Here, here. Continue. So that was uh, technically a Soviet nuclear testing ground. Did I say nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear? Don't ever What's the right way to say it? Because after the whole George Bush thing, I don't even fucking know anymore. Please, please. This is one of this nu- like one nuclear? of my trigger words. It is not Is it nuclear or not, nuclear? It is not nuclear. It so is it's nuclear. Nuclear. Okay, that is how I fucking say it. that's how I said it the first time. You got all no, 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 you probably did, but then when you asked, I had to make sure that you and everyone else knew my disdain for people who say nuclear. It's not for the person in general, it's it, it, it themselves yeah. particularly, it's for their lack of fucking Well, respect. you know, I have to take a second aside now and ask you, have you changed your tampon today? You'd know that's how you get infections, right? It's also caramel, not caramel. No. It's caramel all day, every day. Boom. So, uh, per the radiation found in the skier's clothing, some had speculated that they may have drunk uh, melted contaminated snow from the testing ground. A 12-year-old eyewitness who attended five of the skier's funerals claimed that the bodies had a deep brown tan and... um, you know, there's radiation, maybe. Or they all they may all have been Donald Trump. I mean I guess they could also boom hold of some spray stuff, but is that not like a uh, in the fifties? Uh, in the fifty nines? Maybe not. Is that is that not like a, like, a, like a thing that Russians do is like everything is opposite it? of normal people, so they would they would tan in the snow so wouldn't they of at the beach. Bleach their skin or something? I don't I mean, I don't know. They probably so, already blend <laughs> in pretty well. What I had meant to say at the very beginning of the episode, uh, but had forgotten to because we probably sidetracked ourselves with talk of uh male on male anal intercourse. Um was that this is the very first of our episodes ever to literally perfectly encapsulate our entire fucking byline, which is UFOs, conspiracies, and murder. Because 
the shit that happened to these people could literally encapsulate uh, everything. Uh, yeah. Everything. I mean, who's to say that that's? I got. I have a pretty interesting uh, uh, theory, speculative theory for the end of the show. Uh, in regard. Oh, thank God! I thought you were going to say Chubb. No, no, no! I'm going to wait till the end. Okay, so, and uh, of course, you can't talk conspiracies and or radiation without mentioning aliens and UFOs. Of course, you know, uh, that's perfect. Although, right too. I didn't, I, like, I didn't even notice it until you said it, but that's awesome that it's, it is the first time. Although, some folks even blamed the hard party and hard drinking snowmen referenced in the students' papers. I think that if the students had happened across some form or another of Yeti that, A, maybe not so jubilantly just fucking poking fun at the fact that they saw them in their little tiny stupid newspaper, and B, you turn the fuck around, you go tell people, we saw some fucking Yetis. Yeah, it's probably not your best idea to try to hang out with them. Even if they are hard partying snowmen, like... I don't know. The, the problem with hard partying snowmen is that eventually you get tired from all the hard partying. But did nobody ever watch Empire? I mean, really? I I didn't. No, it, it did not appeal to me at all. Or really. or fucking um, Rudolph, the Bumble, the Bumble was not about no. presents at first. You got to be careful. You know what? Wear the Bumble. You can talk about that at on your Empire slash Romanov fucking podcast that you fucking produce, Chris. Uh-uh. We all know that's not really? going to happen. Because I was super looking forward to it. <laughs> he said somewhat cattily. Poppycock. So there there was initial speculation that the, uh, the, uh, the indigenous Mansi people, as I said before, may have possibly attacked and murdered the group for encroaching upon their land, but... Uh, no, basically, uh, yeah, I don't see that. The hikers' footprints were completely alone. They showed no sign of a, not only no sign of a hand-to-hand struggle, but no sign of an attack of of any kind, really. Um, and that's one of the bigger, which, the bigger of the clues that that makes you scratch your head, at least for me. That's a pretty big. One. Was that all? These people went without a fight in whichever way they went, especially the ones that had gone from from very traumatic uh, uh, trauma <laughs> to their fucking bodies. Like, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. That's really fucking crazy to me. Um, well, you couple that with the <sighs> fact that, that the tents were ripped or cut from the, from the inside. inside. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so they were... Um, my, my favorite theory about this, and I'll say this real quick because I'm about, I'm about to get to it, is that um, they possibly thought that they had heard an incoming avalanche. And so uh-huh. they were like, fucking run, like fucking goddamn action movie explosion run, right? Right. Everybody so they were running away from this sound. But then there's something I'll kind of touch on a little bit uh, that has to do with the way sound can play tricks on you in mountainous areas like this. So they all ran out. Maybe it was a snowy night. Maybe they got lost. Maybe they were just like, eh, dead. And cut a tongue out. 
Okay, we'll get to that too because I, to me, that is the least. Um, that's the least fantastical fucking thing that happened there was that chick missing her tongue. Like hands down, that is the most explainable thing that happened on that night between February first and second. Wow. Delicious, delicious fucking cowboy killers. Um, so, on April 12th, um, the remains of Simeon uh, were exhumed upon the initiative of journalists of the Russian tabloid. Okay, prepare yourself. This might take a second. Komsomolskaya. <clears throat> Komsomolskaya. Pravda. Okay, didn't take as long as I thought. Contradicting results were obtained. One of the experts stated that the, char- the, um, the characteristics of the injuries had resembled a person knocked down by a car. The DNA analysis didn't reveal any uh, anything weird. Uh, in addition, it turned out that the name is... Uh, Wait, what the fuck am I even reading here? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait a second, Chris. I think, I think I may have, I think I may have broken through to possibly the truth here, Chris. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm, I'm all in. Fantastic. At the time of the verdict, the group members all died because of a compelling natural force. The inquest officially ceased in May of 59, as we said, as a result of the absence of a guilty party. So the files were sent to a secret archive. Well, as I just bumblingly went through. Oh man, if only we could have been fucking guest stars on X-Files, I would have goddamn hit on that fucking redhead so hard and then been like, no, I'm sorry, I wouldn't fucking satisfy you in bed. I'll go home. I just wanted to try. Okay, so on April twelfth, two thousand and eighteen, she is still I'll just still knock it down. a peach. Okay, you're being a bit uh, crass Here's about the whole it. thing. We are talking about whining and dining and sixty nining. One of the most classy stuffing out that English muffin. Lovely ladies that have walked this green earth. Mm-hmm. You talk about that. Shit. So in. April of 2018, Chris. That is the year that we currently reside in. It is. Just months before the one that we currently reside in. You are not wrong. So the remains of Semyon Zolotarev were exhumed upon the initiative of journalists of the Russian tabloid thing that I just said. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way... What the fuck? You're going to dig me up because some fucking goddamn tabloid journalist wanted... Wait, fuck you. Leave me in the goddamn ground. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think maybe the word tabloid is, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's one of those ones that just has bad no, connotations. No, it's a tabloid. It's a goddamn bat boy sighted. And he totally married that refrigerator that everybody was into that one time. No, with the redneck aliens who drank the beer. and Yeah. Yeah, because that is totally off base of what I just said as a silly remark. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Sometimes, Chris, you rub me the wrong way. But most of the time, Chris, 
You rub me so wrongly that it fucking comes right around full circle to right again. That's called wax on. So, in this exhumation, uh, they had contradicting results. One of the experts stated that the characteristics of the injuries resembled a person knocked down by a car. And the DNA that they took from the exhumed body didn't match any living relatives Uh. of the deceased. So, it turned out that the name of Simeon Zolotarev is not even on the list of the buried at the Ivanoskoye Cemetery. Nevertheless, the reconstruction of the face along with the exhumed skull... uh, concedes with the post-war photographs coincides with the post-war photographs of Simeon. Although journalists expressed suspicions that another person was hiding under the name Semyon Zolotarev after the war. So, we're thinking that this might not even be the fucking guy who says he was the guy. That's extra weird. Wow. I mean, it could just but That's be a just like a related... But... That's just like a related silliness, really. What, um, what were you running from, so, Simeon? Who, who was trying to hurt you? Um, the KGB? Probably. No, no. The only response for that is, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Russia. Because mm-hmm. Russia. Spetsnaz will fuck you up. The region... Of the uh, the the past was closed to expeditions and hikers for three years after the happening, as we'll call it now. Hmm. But is currently this day accessible? Hey guys, go there. I won't. Hmm. Um, but you do it. Tell us how. Tell it me is. how it goes. Yeah. Or or don't. Um, you know, go there and fuck yourself. Or if you're from there, I'm fine with that too. You know, and you've already fucked yourself. Then definitely tell us how it is. Yeah, because you're probably hot and Russian. Mm. Send pictures care of Jason Silly Tits Rambo at uh, see no, hear no, speak no. That is not my middle name. No, (laughs) no, no. Uh uh. Or. That's not even close to my fucking actual email address either. Um, Hmm. So, you want to hear something else that's, uh, that's, that's, uh,. Well, no, never mind. Are you going to say pod at gmail.com? Because that's what you were supposed to say. No, I was going to say email us at pod. That's P-O-D at the end of S-N-H-N-S-N-P-O-D. P-O-D, at not gmail.com. like that shitty band, but just like that shitty band is spelled... No, literally exactly like that band. That's why I did it that way. Was that not like perfectly clear? That the, the, the POD at the end of our email address was because of that terrible 90s band who I heard tell was, uh, uh, it, it stood for Prey on Demand? Jeez. And that they would have people standing outside of their the, the doors of their concert uh, praying and handing out Bible passages to people. Thank you, ladies. <sighs> Because why the hell not? That's right. Um, Complete non sequitur. What, what kind That's of, what you get with us. What kind of uh, what, what kind of um, Zach Morris timeout do we have? 
can we can we get um, one? I have I have I have seven every episode. You have none ever. Can, can you can I, ask me to take one? Uh, well, I'm gonna and get I one will. real quick because Mike's got to get it in the truck, which I didn't expect. But here he is. Oh. you tell Mike that I am tired of him trying to get in between our relationship. All right. Well, I'm gonna tell him to tell him quickly too. Ready? Tell him while you shake your fist at him. Are you ready? Who, me? Yeah, you. I didn't stop being ready. I am the only one that can call a Zach Morris timeout. You. For, you asked for one. You didn't wait for permission. Well, I mean, that just takes too long. You know, you know what, Chris? All going in the show. Every second of it. Well, too late now. He's sitting down so, not paying attention. Shit. So in, ni- in 1967, uh, Sverdlovsk writer and journalist Yuri Yurovi, ooh, that guy's name is easy. I want more of him. He published the novel of the highest degree of complexity, which was inspired by the incident. He had been involved in the search for the group and at the inquest um, as an official photographer during both the search and the initial stage of the investigation and had an insight into the events at hand. Uh, the book was written during the Soviet era when details of the accident were kept secret <clears throat> and he avoided r- really revealing anything beyond the official position because he valued his, his balls and his life, as most men do. The book had romanticized the accident and had a much more optimistic end than the real events. Only the group's leader was found deceased. Uh, his colleagues say that he had alternative versions of the novel, but both were declined because of Russian censorship. Since his death in 1980, all of his archives, including photos, diaries, and manuscripts, have been lost somehow. Somehow? You know what I bet? You know what I bet is that his mom found them under his bed and was like, oh, no, no, no. His mom being mother motherfucking Russia. <laughs> Guess what's back? So, Anatoly Gushkin summarized his research in the book The Prince of State Secrets is Nine Lives. That's right. That's the coolest book title I've ever said on this show. The that Prince cool. of State Secrets is Nine Lives. That is pretty cool. <laughs> um, some researchers had criticized his novel due to its concentration on the speculative theory of a Soviet secret weapons experiment, but its publication led to public discussion, which was fucking much needed, uh, which was stimulated by the interest in the paranormal, which is odd because in, um, in, <laughs> in the talk about Soviet secret weapon experiments, you don't super expect the subject of the paranormal to rear its beautiful shiny bald head. Do you? Or don't don't you though? I mean, I don't. I expect like uh, nuclear testing and or um, maybe the Russians were just like, hey, you guys, plow, 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 plow. Because, uh, fuck man, Cold War era Russia was a scary place. As Russia probably is now. You know? Always. Excuse my hiccups. They're back. Oh, my God. Eat some more sugar. 
<laughs> You're just going to keep getting hiccups just so you can keep eating spoonfuls, spoonfuls of sugar, aren't you? It would be loud for me to open the drawer and pull out a spoon and all of that other stuff. You're right, because because hiccups, totally not loud or distracting. Yeah. So, indeed, many of those who had remained silent for 30 years uh, had started reporting new facts about the incident. One of them was the former police officer, Lev Ivanov, who led the official inquest in 1959. So in 1990, he published an article which included his admission that the investigation team had no rational explanation at all for the incident. He also stated that after his team reported that they had seen flying spheres, he then received direct orders from high-ranking regional officials to dismiss this claim. So, it's aliens, y'all. I mean, aliens. it's hard to think it's not. Except that it's probably not. Remember what I told uh, 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 Jeremiah, the, the UFO man on our show? Mm-hmm. I said, even though I've had quite the experience in real life myself, I will call bullshit on every single UFO story in existence till the end of time. You did say that. So in the year 2000... In the year 2000... A regional television company produced the documentary film The Mystery of Dyatlov Pass, which is probably, um, that's well-named. With the help of the film crew at... (laughs) With the help of the film crew at Yekaterinburg, a writer, Anna Metieva, published a fiction-slash-documentary novella of the same name. A large part of the book includes broad quotations from the official case, diaries of the victims, interviews with searchers and other documentaries collected by the filmmakers. The narrative line of the book details the everyday life and thoughts of a modern woman, an alter ego of the author herself, who attempts to resolve the case, which I'm guessing she didn't actually do. So, you ready to get into some fucking batshit, crazy, insane theories about the Dietlov Pass incident, Christopher Guest? Uh, um, yes. Yes, I, to- I totally am ready, but uh, let me... You know, you know that, was, that was the right answer. Let me go ahead and what, get what, what rid of this crazy noise thing first. You know what? You do that while I, I take a break to urinate in uh, in Melissa's friend Kelly's backyard while no one else is out here. Good. Enjoy. Nah, man. See, that's the thing, is you can only do the sugar thing once a day, or it actually makes the hiccups worse. I thought I told you that. No, you're just making shit up now. Oh, I am. Can you do me a favor, though? And whenever you feel like a super hiccup coming on, Mm -hmm. it's super easy to just, like, move the mic further away and turn your head. It shouldn't pick it up. So whenever you're ready... The stud sitting here on the headphone version of telephones is ready to go through. You done? I don't know. 
Right, can't see It's that weird green crack, man. Jesus. Um, so now we're going to get into the theories. I know I had a strange, very high inflection on that word, but I'm okay with it if you are. Of what happened to these fucking fine folk that just went out for a goddamn ski trip on Death Mountain. Uh, so the theory that an avalanche caused the hiker's death was, uh, at first pretty popular and, but it, it's been pretty, it's been questioned basically since then reviewing the sensationalist Yeti hypothesis, American skeptic and author Benjamin Radford suggests as more plausible. You ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready? Chris, Chris, you ready for the Yeti? You ready for Benjamin motherfucking Radford who goddamn gets fucking he gets paid to write books? You ready for what he has to say? He probably gets paid while he wears bow ties and a monocle. Continue. I'm okay with that. So, Benjamin Radford says that the group woke up in a panic and then they cut their way out of the tent either because an avalanche had covered the entrance to the tent or because they were scared that an avalanche was eminent basically um they were poorly clothed because they'd been sleeping and they ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would help slow the oncoming snow in the darkness of night they got separated into two or three groups one group made a fire while others tried to return to the tent to recover their clothing since the danger had apparently passed but it was too cold and they all froze to death before they could locate their tent in the darkness at some point, some of their clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead, but at any rate, the group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four meters, which is 13 motherfucking feet of snow, which is more than enough to account for the compelling natural force, the medical examiner described. Dubinia's tongue was likely removed by scavengers and, um, you know, yeah, Fucking scavengers ate her tongue. Was it like, though? What is the autopsy saying? Was it ripped that's or easily, out or was it sliced out? No, that is easily the most viable fucking explanation for the tongue missing. Is that yeah. something that was hungry for fucking tongue came by and was like, mmm, tongue, and ate it. Does it really take a scholar to figure that out, though? And why the fuck would they pry okay. open a mouth to go for the, the tongue when you could just did I say that her mouth shit. was known to be shut at all times, wires and, and no, staples just, helping it along you know, the way? Just, no, her mouth dumb. could just have been open. Don't make me hiccup. Dead people can't control what their bodies do, Chris. That's the whole point of being dead. Don't make me hiccup. Oh, you're right. It's me that's making that happen. Yeah, so, your foolishness. Are you ready for evidence that totally and for sure contradicts the avalanche theory? Well, I, yeah, I mean, other than the fact that Jonathan Benjamin or whatever the fuck his name is, silly fucking You're right, Jonathan Benjamin. <laughs> nugget Radford, uh, aside from the fact that he's a total dipshit, obviously, uh, continue, what else is the Yeah, how else? dare he have the most plausible of theories no. in reality. No, that's so, evidence. It's evidence, the evidence that he's a dipshit. The evidence contradicting the avalanche theory includes that 
the location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. An avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a pretty wide area. The bodies found within 10 days of the incident... The bodies found within 10 days of the event were covered with a very shallow layer of snow and had been... Had there been an avalanche or... Um, one of sufficient strength even to sweep away the second party, the first bodies would have been swept away as well. And this would have caused more serious and different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line at least. Yep. So over a hundred expeditions to the region were held since the incident and none of them, not a single goddamn one have ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. So as we all know, the absence of evidence is always the evidence of absence. So a study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics had revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. The dangerous conditions, quote-unquote, found in another nearby area which had significantly steeper slopes and and cornices were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there were no such conditions even on such a fucking treacherous slope. Also, an analysis of the terrain, the slope, and the incline indicates that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche that circumvented all other criticisms, its trajectory would have bypassed the tent. It had collapsed laterally, but not horizontally. So Dietlov was an experienced skier, and the much older Alexander Zolotaryov was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and in mountain hiking. Neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential avalanche. Now that is literally the one thing that at all makes me wonder if it maybe wasn't either A, avalanche, or B, fear of one uh, wrongly. You know, right? <clears throat> because these two, at least, I mean, all of them were—I um, w- I won't say accomplished mountaineer skiers, but these two at least were, and the rest had had experience. Right. So it's hard to believe that that this may <laughs> this may have happened to them. Um. So, why does my fucking page keep doing that shit? That's so weird. So weird. Uh, maybe it's because I keep touching it weird, too. So, the next theory is uh, what I said we would touch on briefly, which is infrasound. Um, so, another hypothesis that was popularized by Donnie Icar's 2013 book, Dead Mountain, is that wind that was going around the mountain created a Carmen Vortex Street, which can produce infrasound, capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. According to Icar's theory, the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers. He claims that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary and fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been out of the, out of the sound's path and they would have regained their composure, but in the darkness, they wouldn't have been able to return to their shelter. And the, the traumatic injuries suffered by the three victims were simply the result of, of stumbling over the ledge of a ravine in the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. 
Now, my problem with that is that they showed zero sign of of outside trauma. None. They had crushed insides with not a cut, nary a bruise. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, sound could do that. Sound itself could create such oh, yeah, pressure sure. and do such damage, but that's not the type of sound he's talking about. And I don't doubt no. that sound could induce some sort of panic attack at the proper, you know, frequency or whatever, but <clears throat> I don't know. That's kind of a stretch, guy. Yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of a, but what so, if this? But still, even on that theory, like, we're just going with the whole, like, whatever the first guy said about the fucking scavengers eating the bitch's tongue, huh? I mean, because uh, No, I apparently the sound know. would have ripped it out. How is this tongue removed? I need to know. You know what, Chris? I told you that I thought that that was the most easily explained, and my explanation came and went of it. If it was not enough for you, you will find no closure this eve. It wasn't. It was too general. I mean, yeah, I get it. it but 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 it but it can be pretty well proven if the tongue <clears throat> is not, you know, if the the affected area left over isn't torn or okay. I, it also could be pretty easily proven had this not happened in fucking Soviet Russia. You know, well, kind of like the... Well, no, what the fuck all that? Like, it, it would be noted, you would think, if if there was something like, you know, the, the cattle mutilations being the fucking removed with surgical precision type of shit. Like, you would think that that sort of thing would be noted, Which and it wouldn't... Which has, has, has been attributed to a certain kind of parasitic worm that uh, goes after a freshly dead cow. And does what? Remove uh, the first worm. Cuts out vaginas, fucking, you know, yes. surgically yes. removes well, tongues it's, and it, testicles. The, and... the parasitic worms uh, basically cut and eat in a straight line, and then the, the, the ensuing hole that they leave uh, not only invites decay, but other more rough scavengers as well. But the outside cuts uh, can be, can be, not have been, but can be attributed to to this certain type of parasitic worm, yes. Uh, okay, well, either way, I don't buy all of that. All of this theory. Well, you know what, Chris? Scavengers. You couldn't afford it. Mm. And I will keep walking, and I will wait for someone who can. Did you just give because me three you know who can? Absolutely not. Flip your germ no. out, germ no. back, bounce back, beautiful hair. Mm. Nope. Jason does what Jason wants. When Jason wants, with whom Jason tease. wants. Filthy. That's Filthy me. Tease. So, you know who can afford me? And most of everything that I've ever even laid my eyes on, the Russian military. Oh yeah, that, which it that. well no, Donald Trump is is super broke. Uh, lawsuits will do that. So the next theory involves uh, basically Russian military tests. There'd been speculation that the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. Uh, this specific theory alleges that the hikers were awoken by loud explosions, so they fled the tent in a shoeless and shell-shocked panic. 
and then they had found themselves unable to return for their supplies. After some of the members froze to death, attempting to endure the bombardment dropped by their fucking government, others had commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussion. There are indeed records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time that the hikers were there. Now, parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking the Earth's surface and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers, which is heavy internal damage with comparably less external trauma. The theory coincides with reported sightings. I mean, we can assume less to none, right? Like, I mean, if you're I far enough away from it, it, maybe it's enough to crack your noggin or a, fu- or, or a couple fucking ribs, yeah. but not rip the skin. You know? No, it's... Not. I've broken fucking... I, no, I've broken bones many a time without breaking the skin. Well, yeah, 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 that. But, but the kind of direct pressure it takes to break a bone versus the kind of pressure that it would take to, like, rupture, you know, an internal organ or you know, fucking something like that or, like, cause a fucking concussion or something without actually dinging your head. Like, those are are different kinds of pressure. Well, not to say uh, shut up, you're stupid, because I'm not saying that. I'm saying uh, to to say uh, as far as we know so far in our research and our telling of the research that we don't know how long any of the the ones that died because of, of trauma... We don't know how long they lived with that trauma. We don't know if it was an instant death. We don't know if they lived for fucking four or five days or three months. And the reason we don't know this is because Russia. Oh, I was going to say Chris motherfucking Angel. Uh, Gross. That's right. It's all his fault. We don't say that name. So, I mean, not anymore. Um... So this theory, uh, it coincides with the reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within the general vicinity, um, which was potentially military aircraft or descending parachute mines. This theory, among others, uses uh, scavenging animals to explain Dabinia's injuries. Once again, the tongue was eaten by maybe like a cute little arctic fox. Some speculate that the bodies were unnaturally manipulated due to characteristic liver mortis markings that were discovered by autopsy, as well as burns to hair and skin. Photographs of the tent allegedly show that it was apparently erected incorrectly, which is something that the experienced hikers just... I mean, this says were unlikely to have done. I'm going to say they wouldn't have fucking done it, Chris. You know? Yeah, I'm going to second that. I mean, we we have people that are that are literally there for their masters in being able to teach people how to traverse this completely inhospitable fucking uh, land that is literally fucking, fucking called the mountain, the mountain of the dead, and they're gonna put their tent up incorrectly. Yeah, I, just, I don't believe so, sir. No, yeah, I just don't. I, I, I don't see carelessness being the cause of this. I expect not, unless it was. I suppose. <laughs> so, s- similar theories allege that the uh, the testing of radiological weapons is uh, p- 
partly based on the discovery of radioactivity on some of their clothes, as well as the bodies being described by relatives as having orange skin and gray hair. However, radioactive dispersal would have affected all of the hikers and equipment instead of just some of it and them. And the skin and hair discoloration can easily be explained by the natural process of natural mummification. After three months of exposure to the cold and wind, um, that's going to happen. Like the dry, cold mountain air will mummify you in a lickety split. That makes sense. Furthermore, the initial suppression of files regarding the group's disappearance by Soviet authorities is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up. Why wouldn't it be? But the concealment of information regarding domestic incidents was just flat out a standard fucking operating procedure in the USSR, and therefore it was kind of perfectly fucking normal. Iron Curtain, yeah. And by the... Yeah, that's what it fucking meant. We don't get to see inside. They just having parties with yetis, with Coors Light, and we didn't even guess. Party hardy snowmen. Just the piss of beers. And by the late 80s, all of Dietlov's files had been released in in one form or another. So, you know, if you guys are a better... Uh, and more interested researcher than I, if you guys like finite answers and not shoulder shrugs with a meh, well, then you look into it. <sighs> yeah, and let me know. So you ready for the pseudo pseudo scientific theories? Give me some pseudo. Only if you give me a yeehaw, motherfucker. I, I need one that, in my head, I can imagine your hand up in the air uh, miming, uh, you know, uh, a lasso twirling while you say it. Say, yee-haw, motherfucker, but I need, like, a real one. Come on. I can't do it. Do it. Do it. My, do my it. body doesn't, like, physically doesn't allow me to. to well, fucking tell Mike to do it. I need I need a, a, a genuinely convincing yee-haw, motherfucker, before I continue. Mike, give us a yee-haw, motherfucker. Like a good one. No, that didn't work. Specifically supposed to be a yeehaw. 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 Yeehaw, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Uh, you tell Mike that he's hired and then that he's fired. No, I'm specifically supposed to say the yeehaw. He said you're hired and you're fired. That's fine. I never signed on. Mm-hmm. He said he never gave you his. He just his I never, I never legal information. He just thinks that he didn't. Mm-hmm. Yep, he never filled out the, the I nine. Well, you should tell him to speak to his mother, who signed his life away to mine before his birth. No, he never signed the non-disclosure or... or. He can tell anyone he wants about what happens here. He just can't. Fucking just disregard orders like that, Chris. That's just not how this show is run. Melissa, is that how this show is run? Nope. Say it again? No. You know what? She said no, nice and loud, until I put the microphone in her fucking yeah. face. And she, ugh. Melissa, give us I love a yeehaw, motherfucker. Melissa, come here. I need, I need you to give me a very convincing, excited yeehaw, motherfucker. Come on, do it. Uh, I see. You can do it from over there. Don't make me do it. I do everything. Come on, yeehaw, motherfucker. Come on. You are wasting our listeners' time. 
That's, that's I love the you, Mexican sweetheart. Version. You look. I can't do it you, though. You I, look real hot in that towel you're wearing. How about the Cajun version? Yeehaw, motherfucker! Motherfucker! <laughs> All right, so are you guys ready for the goddamn pseudo scientific theories? Give me some pseudo. I think those might be my th- my. Th- those are my three favorite syllables shoved together ever. Is pseudo? No, wait. That's way more than three. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The 2014 Discovery Channel, so you know it's reputable. Special, Russian Yeti, the killer lives. The killer had explored lives. the theory that <laughs> had explored the theory that the Dietlov group was killed by a mink, a mink. Menk. Let's go with Menk. Huh. Or, in more acceptable English parlance, a Russian Yeti. Huh. Siberian Sasquatch. So, huh? the, sh- the show begins with the premise that the skier's injuries were such that only a creature with superhuman strength could have caused them. Not like things that are stronger than humans like rocks Rock. or like i don't know <laughs> millions of tons of fucking rushing snow or like i don't know regular humans mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> none of those things could possibly be possible because the menk or russian yeti is totally at fault here and needs to be found and prosecuted it has to stop. I guarantee you, I fucking guarantee you that the Russian Yeti, when they when they catch him, is going to be shirtless and cut off jean shorts, going, "Oh, I don't even know where I was that day. I was, I, I was with my, I was with my ex-wife and our three kids, and we had, we we had gone to the fair, and yeah, I had, I had, might have had a little, little too much to drink, but you know, when the core light, when, when, when the core's lights are flowing." That's when the mink starts a drinking. And that's also when you can see my nuts peeking out the bottom of these short legs. Mm. Thank God I will never in my life drink a fucking Coors Light. So, <laughs> the show... <laughs> Coors Light, kids. Beware. So, this one's kind of short. The episode concluded... With there being absolutely no evidence for its claims. Yeah, they do that with their weird little mockumentaries. They're like, yeah. oh, hey, by the and way. They will, and they will fucking build it the fuck up, oh, yeah. too. Like, you'll see months of commercials. We have got proof of a Russian Yeti. And we are bringing it to you six or seven months from now, possibly on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Most likely in the afternoon. Yep. Be there. And then play the And then you get there and they're part. like one of three commercials. We part. ain't really found we ain't really found nothing. Yeah. Really. I mean <laughs> we've been out here a long time and uh it's just it's just lots of snow. Um uh, I miss my wife. Can I So that <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> that the Discovery Channel went out there to look for a Russian Yeti, claimed that it was because of a Russian Yeti, found no evidence of Russian Yeti. <laughs> that's just uh, that's just the kind of thing. Like I keep oh. asking myself, 
who like what what are the meetings like for these these people sitting down with the producers going okay do we need like just heavily dusted in cocaine to me yeah yeah probably heavily dusted in cocaine but still like we need a few million dollars to make uh this piece of steaming shit right here and then we're only going to show it on TV and then maybe we'll let TBS have it one day uh but before then, um, we're just going to let everybody fucking not watch this big pile of fucking steaming shit. How do, like, where Dude, is I the have, money coming from? I have been from? begging people, I've been begging people for years to help me write a pitch to bring to the History Channel about how all alien yetis were secretly Nazis. Because I guarantee you, we will get three seasons out of that motherfucker. Find nothing. Be boring as shit as we do it. Yeah. Highest rating ever on the History Channel. Alien, Yeti, and Nazi all in one show. Fucking, fucking period. Gold mine. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking gold mine. Every single one of the alien fucking Yetis on this planet was secretly a Nazi. They'll tell you that they have a black friend. But then when you ask who it is, it takes them a minute to come up with their name. And you're like, oh, okay, so you don't actually have a black friend. You're just trying not to look racist. Nazi. Now, they're alien yetis that are also secretly Nazis, not alien Nazis that are just happen to be... Secretly yetis. yetis. Exactly. Right. Right. No, 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 no. They are... They're not where yeti Nazis. Equal part. No, they are equal part alien and yeti. But, like, they're... Their creed for life is down with the Jews. Oh, I mean, I think for the sake yeah. of like telling an awesome story, I, I think I kind of prefer the um, Nazi alien wear yeti. Mm. See, I get that. I get that. But that's just not how reality works, Chris. Yeah, no, but I mean... I am bringing something to the History Channel, which only exclusively deals in things that have actually happened on this planet in history. That's right. I was thinking sci-fi. You did say history. You're right. I did. I did say... See, if this were just some some shitty sci-fi movie, I could be like, I don't know. uh, Let's say that uh, sharks are in a tornado and they're like... I don't know, they kill people, and uh, the guy from 90210 that no one liked is there. Memo to self. Write a script for Nazi alien were-yetis. <laughs> I guarantee you, next week, it's going to be all over sci-fi. Versus, versus Nazi alien yetis versus the Sharknado Bikini volume, car wash bitches. 7,406. Tara Reed, she's still popular, isn't she, kids? <laughs> what? <laughs> she's not? Well, she's under contract. Oink. Contract means uh, under mountains bed. of cocaine. I mean. So, <clears throat> when she got that weird boob job, it's just it was all over. Not that I was ever super into her, but that God, that boob job was just so bad. And then she started the, the other stuff that just, you know what? I'm gonna leave Tara Reed alone. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm gonna let Tara Reed be be Tara Reed. Be Reed. Uh. She has to. I'm gonna let her be her. Day. I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be me. 
gonna let her be her. Uh, however, I will fuck my own life up in my own way. If she wants to share some of that mountain of cocaine, though, you know, she knows where to find us, which is see no hear no speak no pod at gmail dot com and or s n h n s n p o d at gmail dot. That is the period on your keyboard, uh, which is the physical keyboard on your computer or the virtual one on your telephone. That is the period. And then three simple letters that follow, which are C and then an O and then an M. Okay, the, the show is, is, is starting to get ridiculous and kind of long. So we are going to go to <laughs> we are going to go to the section of the theories that is entitled other? Okay. There's no question mark there. I just like miscellaneous. Like I just the like saying like that. Yeah, just other. Okay. Th- these are also things that maybe could have happened, but probably didn't. Is is much longer than just putting other. Is that so, a career? Can I just be one of those like a theorist? That like you know I'm, I'm uh, like the yes. jack of all trades uh, theorist. Like I don't have to specialize in one thing. You could just come to me and ask me what <laughs> I think happened about anything. <laughs> And I'll give you a theory. And I will come up with some bullshit that could maybe possibly be true. I don't know. You want me to write a book about it? But I'll do it. It'll cost you, though. Didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so Keith McCloskey. Oh, M- McCloskey. Tell me. Tell me what Keith McCloskey which, thinks. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I, I know that you want to know. So, uh, he researched the incident for many years and has appeared in several TV documentaries on the subject. Uh, he's traveled to the past in 2015 with Yuri Kunstiev of the Dietlov Foundation and a group. That's that's a, a strange uh, a period. At least he's well apart. The Dietlov Foundation statement. and a group. The Dietlov Foundation and a group. Yeah. Like. No, no. At the pass, he had noted that there were wide discrepancies and distances quoted between the two possible locations of the snow shelter where Dubinia and Kolevitov, Kolevitov, uh, Zolotarev, and Theobilt were found. One location was approximately 80 to 100 meters from the pine tree where the bodies of Doroshenko and Krivonish Krivonishenko were found, and the other suggested location was so close to the tree that anyone in the snow shelter could have spoken to those at the tree without raising their voices to be heard. The second location also has a rock in the stream where Dubinia's body was found, and is the more likely location of the two. However, the second suggestion suggested location of the two has a topography that's closer to the photos taken at the time of the search in 1959. Hmm. He also noted that the location of the tent near the ridge was found to be too close to the spur of the ridge for any significant buildup of snow to cause an avalanche. Furthermore, the prevailing wind blowing over the ridge had the effect of blowing snow away from the edge of the ridge on the side where the tent was. This further reduced any buildup of snow to cause an avalanche. This aspect of the lack of snow on top and near the top of the ridge was pointed out by Sergei Sorgin in 2010, whom we haven't spoken of at all. So why they just name drop like that, right. it's a mystery to me. Sergei Sorgin. But McCloskey also, <laughs> he also noted that uh, Lev Ivanov's boss, uh, Evgeny 
Okijev, uh, who was deputy head of the investigative department of the uh, Sverdlovsk Oblast Prosecution Office, was still alive in 2015 and had given an interview to former Krimerov pr- prosecutor Leonid Prosh- Proshkin, in which Oshinkov stated that he was arranging another trip to the past to fully investigate the strange deaths of the last four bodies when the deputy prosecutor general Yurikov arrived from Moscow and said, no thank you sir. We think that we would like our alien Nazi yetis kept under wraps. Thank you very much. Why do you think we installed this giant iron curtain? And then let that weird tabloid guy go and dig up the fucking body. I mean, I'm just going to walk around with a, a little ID that says that I work for whatever tabloid, and I'm going to ask people to dig bodies up for me just to see if they will. So the last thing that uh, he it is in his little part here is that uh, Evgeny Oskiv also stated in his interview with Leonid Proshkin that uh, Klinov, head of the Sverdlovsk prosecutor's office, was present at the first post-mortems in the morgue and spent three days there something Okinchev regarded as highly unusual and uh, in his experience in his experience it certainly had happened I don't know if that's unusual I don't work in near or around um, morgues usually um, unless I'm up to no good mm-hmm. and if I'm up to no good I'm not paying attention to how long other people are there <laughs> <True. Whatever. laughs> so nasty <clears throat> So, uh, Donnie Icar, who, uh, who investigated and made a documentary about the incident, evaluated several other theories that are deemed unlikely or have been discredited. So instead of just saying that and leaving it alone, I'm going to read them now because oh, we all need something to laugh at at this point. Uh, the first was that they were attacked by the Mansi or other local tribesmen. The local tribesmen were known to be peaceful and there was no track evidence of anybody. So, nope. Second... They were attacked and chased by animal wildlife. Well, there were no animal tracks, and the group wouldn't have abandoned their tent if that had happened. Third, high winds blew one member away, and the others attempted to rescue the person, because this is all just an Abbott and Costello fucking routine now. Yeah. A large, experienced group would not have behaved in that manner, and wind strong enough to blow away people with such force would have most likely also blown the fucking ten away. <sighs> so last, this is going to be the very last, the very last theory of the night. An argument possibly related to a romantic encounter shoo shoo, that left some of them only partially clothed led to a violent dispute. About this, Icar states that it's highly implausible By all indications, the group was largely harmonious and sexual tension was confined to platonic flirtation and crushes. There were no drugs present and the only alcohol was a small flask of medicinal alcohol found intact at the scene. The group had even sworn off cigarettes for the expedition. End quote. That's what you sound like, Icar. Furthermore... A fight really couldn't have left the fucking massive life-ending injuries that uh, uh, the the three bodies had had suffered. No. So, um, if you tuned in for us to be like, it was this, well, you 
you you tuned in to the wrong fucking show. But if you tuned in for a fun, barely on track episode of uh, Halloween funness, then maybe you got that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the thing that ended these poor, poor, poor mountain skiers, which really uh, you can't feel too bad for them because they were camping on Death Mountain. (laughs) I'm going to say the thing that. When you say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will. An echo will be inserted. I'm going to say that the thing that um, that ended their lives was um, was a a time traveling me from the future sent to the past who shoulder shrugged so hard and went I don't know that the time reverberations that were then put in place destroyed everything time fabrically in the vicinity because that's literally just as good and just as valid as any other fucking explanation agree so chris do you have one i do actually all of this uh adds up to what i'm feeling to be a possible um joyride and like like, uh, you know, let's go rough up a bum sort of situation between teenage aliens. Ooh. Yeah. Who doesn't like roughing up bums? That's what Ugh. I'm thinking. Like, it, it was it was a couple of teenage Memories. aliens. Either, like, fresh out of military boot camp or, like, you know, just graduated high school type shit. And then, like... Just feeling invincible as fuck on Coors Light that they got from some really shady-looking Yeti at the 7-Eleven. Goddamn Nazi-wear Yetis. Um, so, yeah, and they they were, like, you know, feeling themselves on some Coors Light and shit, rolling around, cold brewing, motherfucking smoking space weed or whatever the hell they got. I don't know what I, I assume. Tapping the Rockies, but they were, they were smoked out on space weed and, and Coors Light, so they actually had gone to Death Mountain uh, instead of the Rockies. Where did they go? Death mm. Mountain. Insert ton ton yeah in in echo here, um, so so Chris yeah so that that's what I'm thinking. So you believe that aliens were bored and went human cow tipping and maybe let it go a little bit too far? Yeah 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 that's what I'm thinking. And like you know they were trying out different items like ooh this laser fucking uh, scalpel thing here. Let's see what happens and oh let's see what happens when we you know apply this. Sonic fucking uh, rib bruiser. So, so you're saying it was a grab bag, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that they were like, I'm, I'm thinking more of freshly out of boot camp sort of scenario versus versus high school. Mm-hmm. This is not done by, by just feeling like they could take a, a they could take ride. on the world. Yeah, they knew that they were going out to do something bad. Just, they knew that yeah. it was it was premeditated just in every way possible, of, but somebody who was trained they felt untouchable to use these yeah. items feeling like perhaps if they you know if they do their jobs correctly and all goes well that they'll never have to use these items but they just mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that like everything leading so, up to this point is like hey use this item just this way so they're like oh, mm-hmm. fuck that right i'm gonna get me some right so so chris has been uh he's been mispronouncing uh 
the Russian military as aliens? I think we've been mispronouncing them as were yetis. No, they are alien yetis that are Nazis. Oh, okay. So, man, I'll, okay. So I'm just inserting my own editor's notes in with the whole where thing. And they're terrible. In mine, there's a mystery to be found. In yours, it's just a fucking slasher flick. There can't be the sensual torture scene well, it's also, if it's just a slasher flick. Well, it's also like a fucking, like a Skinamax type of flick because it is a naked dude running around, technically. I mean, he's flashing A super hairy one. Russian Yeti cock. Like, if we, if we just, if we dipped Robert in some white paint, yep. I think we got our star. Boom. There it is. You know what? You know what, Chris. On that note, I'm gonna say you've just listened to a holy fuck. We've been doing this for a year. <laughs> a Halloween episode of see no, hear no, speak no. The UFOs, the conspiracies, the spook 'em ups. Yeah, hmm? yeah. Nazi Russian mm-hmm. wear yeti balls and murders. Smarters, smarters. What the fuck is going on here? Wow. I don't know. But while you figure that out, I'm going to say countdown. Countdown. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to say three. And as a surprise to everyone but myself, I will say two. Two. And then as a further just goddamn. Just throw the holy hand grenade already. And good night, chitlins. You, gravy. Hi, kids.